When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about romance novels, novelists, readers, people, things, all of the things romance in the world. I am Jess. And I'm Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, June 9th, 2022. It's been a while. I've missed you, Trisha. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I've missed you. Yeah, it's we were saying it's a, uh, you know, we actually we're going to start doing podcasts on holiday weeks, you know, in the coming months. Um, so we won't have to have those kinds of breaks anymore. Nope. Everyone won't have to, you know, every other Monday go to their podcatcher and wonder where we are. Nope, you'll have plenty of us. <laughs> more than you can even handle. Uh, speaking of more of us than you can even handle, uh, we do have book club coming up. It is our next episode. We are reading The Beast by Katie Robert. As a reminder, it is a menage erotic romance, and we are going to be talking about it in our next episode. So if you have thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns, observations, um, send those to us by the 23rd. I think the episode itself probably comes out like the 27th. Um, but our conversation is June 23rd. Let us know what you thought. Absolutely. And if you have not yet gotten your copy of The Beast and feel like tossing out a little bit more cash, like I could have borrowed this from Hoopla or bought the ebook or bought the paperback copy that has the, the like the drinking mug on it but i um went ahead and got the hardcover katie robert especially not designed because she doesn't design them herself but like commissioned 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 the word that's the word thank you Uh, hooray commissioned covers for the entire wicked villain series and they are amazing and the beast one came out at the beginning of this month so i was very excited to grab that for myself but whatever way you prefer to read, and I think it's also available on audio. I heard the audio is one of those where make sure your headphones aren't going to die <laughs> and make sure you aren't picking up anybody in your car. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unless, you know, they could share in, in your, um, enjoyment too. Um, but yeah, I am, this is, this is going to be a fun one, I think. And I'm looking very much forward to it. Me too. Also, if you are looking to be a part of the Book Riot community in a whole new, fun, different way, uh, Book Riot is actually hiring a digital marketing manager. So the position description is bookriot.com slash join us. It is a remote position. The job listing has the specific jurisdictions that you can live in because there are like rules around that. So just look it up. (laughs) Uh, And of course, Book Riot is an equal opportunity employer and is especially looking for applications from individuals from marginalized communities. So again, if it seems like that could be a good fit for you, check out bookriot.com slash join us. And before we get into what we're reading, Jess, we have a little bit of follow up from our last episode. 
I, you might remember it. I believe it was called Proxy Boat Husband, something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, and many thanks to Debbie, who wrote in to suggest that possibly the book was Married to the Viscount by Sabrina Jeffries. Jess Pride, does that sound like it was the book to which you were referring? I greatly appreciate Debbie's reaching out. Unfortunately, that is not the one I was thinking of, which doesn't mean that it's not going on my list immediately to read because I don't think I've read it. I've only read a smattering of Sabrina Jeffries. And if it also has that plot point, I am curious about it. But I think Mary to the Viscount came out like at least a decade after the book that I read with that because I think I was a teenager when, <laughs> when um, that happened. And I am a little older than that now. Um, but thank you Fair. so much to Debbie because... I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, and for what it's worth, this one sounds great. It says, uh, per Debbie, bride-to-be Abigail arrives on a ship from America, expecting to be met by her betrothed with whom she'd exchanged letters. She has documents for a proxy marriage to Spencer, a.k.a. Lord Ravenswood, performed by the ship's captain. No one meets her at her do- at the dock, so she goes to find the fiancé's house. He knows nothing about an engagement and just barely recalls meeting her months ago. She thinks he's lying. There is also a sneaky brother who happens to be missing. <laughs> then a marriage in name only while mystery is solved, etc. So, if that doesn't sell you on the second proxy husband bo- book, <laughs> I don't know what will. So, neither of us, it sounds like, has yet read Married to the Viscount. What are you reading, Jess? Well, I... I am tossing around a bunch of things because that's just what happens with my brain. But I am focusing more on You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke and Maisie. And they, in like their tweets and stuff about the book, have referred to it as Fool of Death. So I am going to refer to it as Fool of, fool of Death as the like... It's a good abbreviation. The shortened version after... I say the whole thing, because if I just say full of death, people are going to be like, I can't find any book called full of death. But sure. <laughs> so you made a full of death with your beauty, aka full of death, is Akweke and Maisie's first romance. They did this thing where they wrote like seven books in four years, and they were almost all in different uh, genres or categories. Yeah. Um, so this is their first romance, and... They, like, I love their writing. I had sort of been afraid of their writing, but then I listened to their memoir, Dear Centauron, a while ago and was like, this is amazing. So I made sure to have Fool of Death on my list to pick up, and I finally got around to it, even though I've had a copy for several months now. And I am enjoying Faye, the main character, who is you know, trying to get back into living after sort of having five, five years of immense grief after um, her partner died in a car accident. And it's interesting, this book, because when you meet her, she is about to hook up with the guy that she meets at a party. And then a few, not a few, but like 20 pages later, she breaks up with that guy and starts dating another guy, but they're not really dating. They're just sort of like making out, not even really hooking up. And now I'm finally like 90 pages in, and I think I know what's going to happen as far as the romantic thing goes. Um, So it's, 
I'm going to say that the author has called it a romance and they know what a romance is because they have read plenty of them. I'm going to say that this might fall more under the fiction with romantic elements for some people who are like hardcore romance readers who do not want other people involved in their romances. <laughs> so I'm going to say that. But it is so far a really great book. I am really enjoying it. And like I said, the writing is pristine. The characterizations are amazing. So yeah, You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty by Akweke Maisie. Hooray. I think they were also on The Daily Show the other day, in case anyone's interested. Oh, yeah. I, I saw a screenshot, but haven't watched the clip. <laughs> Fair. Okay, I'm going to tell you the book that I'm reading. Many, 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 many of you <laughs> will have already read it. <laughs> and I will tell you, I have actually picked this book up a couple of times and have not really been able to get into it. And spoiler alert, I still am pretty sure it's not for me. <laughs> uh, to be very, very clear, this is not me saying that you should not read this book and you would not enjoy it because I think it is, I already know, it is for many, I have, we have Book Riot colleagues who this is like their favorite romance of all time. The book I am talking about is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. People love this book. I can completely understand it. You know, I'm only about a quarter of the way through and there seems to be plenty to love and enjoy about it. I think this is just a book that is not for Trisha. Like, it is third-person present tense, which is making me a little bit bananas. Uh, the only other books I've read in present tense have been first-person, and even those, like, it takes me a minute to get used to, but I am, again, a quarter of the way through and can't quite get it. I also kind of hate the narrator, Alex. <laughs> uh I, which I think is one of those things. I'm sure he comes around to be great. He just has like this weird hatred of the other main character. And again, I'm sure they are going to sort it out. But I think this is one of those cases in which enemies to lovers just is not for me. Because I have a hard time getting over my initial like, why are you so mean? What did this person do to you? Feeling of it. And the main reason I'm mentioning it is because I feel like it's okay to acknowledge that a book can be fantastic and well-loved and a great fit for a lot of people and also just not be for you, mm -hmm. right? There are probably books that, you know, we have recommended a thousand times. It, I, I can even imagine a world in which The Widow of Rose House is not for everyone, <laughs> right? It's hard, but I can do it. But like, I think, you know, like as I was reading this book and sort of powering through, even though I am not actually enjoying it, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, it's okay to just not really be super into a book. For folks who don't know, it's about um, the first son who's in his early 20s of the president and the Prince of England, Henry, who end up in sort of the secret relationship. And again, many, many people adore this book. If it sounds like your thing and you haven't read it, you should. And also, I might stop. I don't think it's for me. The end. Trisha? Yes. I am giving you permission because you won't give it to yourself. I appreciate it. Set it down. Move on. Yes. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. I appreciate it, Jess, because there are so many books that I'm excited about that are coming out this year. And I think three tries is like the, because this is the third try. It is the furthest I've gotten into it. And I still, I just think it's not for me. <laughs> so I think I'm going to put it down, be very happy for its success, and be very happy that it exists to connect with other folks. And just, yeah. And we're actually talking about some of the books we're excited about um, a little later on in this episode. And I think I may turn my attention towards those other books. There you go. There you go. 
Uh, but before we do that, and actually we're going to do a couple of things before we even do that, but before we do the other things that we're going to do before we do that, perhaps it is time to acknowledge and thank one of our sponsors. Yes, let's. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman. The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant Rivals to Lovers debut romance. Gene Ionescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is, until Luis Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Gene and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by KT Hoffman for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. All right. So you and I just came back after having an episode off. So it's been, a you know, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. We kind of thought like there are little bitty kind of news story things that are going on. A lot of the world is kind of messy. We probably could talk about some of the romance drama in the world, but we decided instead to just talk about a fun movie. Yes. Would you like to talk a little bit about the fun movie that we identified as a a wonderful topic for this, the When in Romance podcast? So when we talk movies, more often than not, we decide to talk about adaptations of romances. You know, we've talked about Can You Keep a Secret? We've talked about the Danielle Steele one with the French lady. I can't remember the name of it. But this time around, we wanted to talk about a fun new release that is about a romance novelist, has a lot of romance tropes, and is just hella fun. And that movie is... The Lost City. I mean, I happened, we were like sort of chatting about what we were going to talk about while I was watching this movie. And I was like, you know, it's not an adaptation, but I feel like this could work because I think it has a really interesting take on the romance world Mm -hmm. in that it kind of does poke a little bit of fun, but it still seems to respect and appreciate the romance world. 
So I don't know. Do you want to tell people a little bit about what it, it is about? Sure. So The Lost City is about Sandra Bullock, whose character name I have completely just lost. And she is an an author. And um, I think she has a background as like an archaeologist or anthropologist or something. And she, when we meet her, she is hesitant to write her last book. And she's decided that this is going to be the last book in her series, etc, etc. And the series is about sort of adventure type folks. And the main character in her series, side note, why is it that in so many pieces of film media about romance novelists, they're always writing about the same person all the time. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in this particular case, the main male protagonist in her book series, his name is Dash, and Mm -hmm. he is portrayed on covers by Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and a wig that is doing a lot of work. A lot of work. Like that that wig. Oh my gosh. So great. Um, so when we meet when we first meet them together, they're at this really awkward panel event. It looks like if you there there's a thing in the background I can't remember what the name, romancing the pages or something like that. So uh, a pretend romance con. No, I think that's exactly what it's called. Because I was like, that is actually a thing that a romance conference would be called. Right? So, like, I yeah. would, like, I would go to that. So they're at a romance con, and there's a lot of awkward stuff that happens. But what happens is that she is approached, appro- I'm going to use the word approached, even though it's more mm-hmm. like kidnapped. Um, Very generous. Yeah. By Daniel Radcliffe. His name, what is his name? Uh... Not Leslie. Not not, not Beverly. Oh. Uh, it is no the Ash. the the other it's a, gender Allison? gender name. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, actually now that we're talking about it, I have to look it up. I will <laughs> tell you that the Sandra Bullock character is named Loretta Sage Loretta. because, of course, she is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And Abigail Daniel Radcliffe plays Abigail, Abigail Fairfax. Abigail Fairfax, which is the best villain name ever, right? He's like, he's like Abigail, and she's like Abigail, and he's like, it's it's gender gender neutral, like Beverly yes. or Leslie, and it's just mm-hmm. the best the best line in the movie. This is like, I know we'll get more into this later, but side note, this is the only character I ever want to see Daniel Radcliffe play again. <laughs> like he's very talented, and it feels like a limitation, but he was so good in this movie. He was so good. Uh, movie. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Um, and I mentioned before that she has a background in some kind of study of people. Anthropology, sort of, something. Yeah. Anthropology, archaeology, one of those. And he has found the city that she and her late husband did research on. And he wants yeah. her to help him find a treasure. And that's how we end up in the adventure part of the story. And I don't want to go too far into it, but basically he steals her away and Channing Tatum is like, we got to save her because Mm -hmm. that poor puppy is so lost and in love. It's like, yeah, it's delightful. My heart. Yeah. It's so cute. So, and then of course they end up, there's, 
a little moment with Brad Pitt, and then they end up lost in the jungle on an island. Yes. So, yes. Adventure. <laughs> yeah, adventure. I will say, quick content warning, there is some violence in this movie, and there's particularly one moment of violence featuring the Brad Pitt character that I did not see coming, and that is <laughs> a little uh, alarming if you don't see it coming. For me, violence is not a major trigger, so it wasn't really an issue, but... Please do know it's like this is a PG-13 movie and I was very surprised that they were able to get away with this in that kind of movie. So heads up on that. This one may not be for you if that's the case. Or if you want to watch it, but you want to avoid that, DM me and I will tell you which minutes it happens at and uh, you can avoid it. So that's great. And while we're talking about content warnings, I will also add that in the jungle, there are creatures, including leeches Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that have to get pulled off. Of somebody. Yes. So if you also have issues with bugs and their attachment to people's bodies, just be aware of that. Yes. So there are a lot of things that I really liked about this movie, Justin. You were talking about Alan, Channing Tatum's character, kind of rushing to the rescue. One of the things that I loved about this movie that I actually think you would not have seen in a romance book is that Alan has literally no qualifications to go and save this woman. <laughs> None. Like, he's not, like, this is not a case where he, like, used to be a Navy SEAL. And so he's blah, blah, blah. Like, he's he's literally a model. He's very good at it. He mm-hmm. loves what he does. And, like, that is a wonderful career, especially if it's what if you want to do. But it is not a career where you would necessarily think to yourself, I better go rescue this person in the jungle. You know how we've been talking about the ultimate himbo? Yeah. Alan is literally the best himbo. Yeah. Really. I think that's 100% true. And I think, like, I will say, I think um, Loretta, the Cinder Bullet character, is a little bit more stereotypical romance heroine in that she's pretty lost. Mm-hmm. Like, she needs something. It's not necessarily that she needs a man or needs to fall in love or whatever, but she's still grieving. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her career. She's feeling... Sort of like she doesn't get to use this background that she has in, let's say, anthropology nearly often enough. And like she needs a change and she needs something. And like, I think those are the kinds of things that you see more often for main characters and perhaps particularly non-male main characters in romance. But again, like I kind of appreciated that. And, and you know, Alan, like you said, he was like, has a very special affection for Loretta that perhaps turns into something more. <laughs> And I don't know, I would describe this, I guess, as like a colleagues to lovers book. Like they do have a fight right before she gets um, approached to say the <laughs> it lately by Daniel Radcliffe. But I, I don't think they're enemies. It's just sort of like a, they don't have a great relationship, but right. they're like not friends to lovers. Yeah. If Loretta was writing the book, it would be an enemies to lovers. <laughs> if yes, Alan correct. was writing this book, it would be unrequited <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know what you think. I felt like the pacing, like the, the a lot of the beats were pretty similar to what you might see in a romance, right? Like, they do have a fight. Mm-hmm. And then she's in peril. And then he's trying to make up for it. And then there's a forced proximity situation. And they have like, another fight. And then they're like, dancing and an island party. And then there's like an adventure. And, you know, like, it's, it felt to me like, and you know, to be fair, a lot of the same romance kind of beats that you will see in a movie are the same ones as you would see in a book. So it makes sense that they would be similar, but Mm -hmm. it did feel to me like this easily could have been an adaptation, even though it was not. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it definitely felt like it wanted to be the romance novel film that that people wanted. It, I have some qualms about it, but they go into kind of spoiler territory. So I don't know um, how much we want to talk about that. We can talk about it offline. Well, this isn't really online, but we can talk about it online if anybody really wants to know what my qualms are about sort of the storytelling part of it. Because there are a couple beats that we don't actually get that I was waiting for, but it's not that we don't get them for real. It's that we don't get them explicitly. Well, I'll tell you what, Jess, why don't you, why don't we tell people if you don't want to hear potentially spoilers forward like two minutes on the podcast and for the next two minutes, you can talk about all of your qualms. Oh my gosh. I, I love you, Trisha. Because Ready, go. <laughs> this is an amazing movie that has so much about so so much of a good story about two people who are so different who well who think they're really different really learning about themselves and each other and like building a connection but that like the grand gesture happens at the beginning of the movie and the realization mm-hmm. of anything related to an actual romantic experience is offered to us in imagery but there is no act like we get to the end yeah. and it's like they're obviously together, et cetera, et cetera. But when did that happen? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is a little bit of like a conversation. It ends again, since we're in spoiler territory, like they're on a beach and there's kind of a conversation of like, well, what do you think now? Like, so it it, they, it almost seems like they want to make it seem like they're not quite together yet. Mm-hmm. But we know they are. Yeah. Other things that you would say about the... We, we've got like 45 more seconds for any spoilers that you want to issue. No, because I've already talked about my annoyance with uh, romance authors and movies always writing the same series about the same people over and over again. I will say the one spoilery thing that I will say about this is that... Um, and we'll talk more about this after our two minutes, but... Divine Joy Randolph plays Beth, oh. Loretta's editor, who meets up with Oscar, played by Oscar Nunez on a plane and I appreciate that they are not together at the end of the book, right? Like or movie. <laughs> See, I'm confused. Uh, <laughs> they would not have been a fit. It would have been super weird. So I appreciate that they did not make that choice. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like that, but also that would have been a really fun, like not quite romantic relationship. <laughs> yes. Well, and our two minutes is over. So I will say what I was going to kind of connect that to which is one of the things that does kind of bum me out that this is a movie and not a book is that if it were a book we could look forward to you know beth or oscar or allison who patty harrison is fantastic as allison as well like some of these other folks getting their own books in the series Mm -hmm. and because it's a movie that's not how it works that's not how it works if only someday 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 and I think the last thing that I want to make sure that I say about this book is that I really do appreciate that it is, like, there are plenty of, uh, the lost city of D kind of lends itself to a lot of jokes about a particular part of a human anatomy. Mm-hmm. They take full advantage of that. Like, there's definitely, like I said, that that blonde wig. Like, there's a lot of things where they are kind of having a little fun with the romance genre, but they also, like I said, they seem to genuinely respect it. There's a really lovely monologue from Alan, maybe like mm-hmm. 
half or two thirds of the way through the movie about how romance makes people happy and how that kind of made him feel more fulfilled in the job that he's doing. And I really appreciate that because I could have easily seen a scenario in which they were just making fun of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because even at the beginning, it's kind of like, it's awkward, but it's in that same kind of cons are awkward. And yes, oh, yes. When you have all of these things happening and can you rip your shirt off? Can you rip his shirt? Like there's, there's always. (laughs) Yeah, that's like not that I've been at enough romance conferences. Like that's not unfortunately like that far off the mark in terms of the way that cover models sort of are treated in some cases. So yeah, totally get it. Absolutely. Also, one thing that I mentioned to you when we were talking about potentially talking about this that I haven't actually gotten Mm -hmm. around to saying is this whole thing about his name being Alan. And I don't know what it is. But like, once they were like, Alan, and it was like, I was expecting like a 45 year old accountant. And you know, (laughs) I know that that's like, that's my own like sort of stereotypes about what people are named. But in romance, we have Connors and Coles and maybe some Jacks. Oh, so many Jacks. So many, especially in like 10 years ago romance. Yeah. So many Jacks. But like Alan, like that is a perfectly regular name for a dude. And it was just one of those things that stood out to me because when was the last time you read a romance where the guy's name was Alan? Yeah. <laughs> So it's true. It was just yeah. one of those things that like that has stuck with me because like Channing Tatum's name is Alan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, best friend's husband is named Alan, and he is very much like the you know romance hero of her world. <laughs> and also, he is a economist who works for the Department of Labor. So you know, <laughs> I think you weren't like that far off. He's not forty five, but he is. You know, so I can get where. Where more than one thing can be true. Mm-hmm. It can and should be a romance hero name. And also some of the stereotypes do actually play out a little bit. So. Yeah. Loretta also, to be honest, if you had thrown me a Loretta, I would have been like, is it like a grandma romance? Like, <laughs> is it a older characters romance? Loretta is not a name that I feel like you get a lot in people under 60. So I like it. Yeah. Bring it back. But Loretta Sage really is, like, the perfect romance oh, novelist name. Perfect. And actually, like, Loretta of any kind is a great romance name. It's just one that we don't take nearly enough advantage of. No. We should. We need more of Loretta and Alan. Hint, please somebody write a novelization of this movie. Ooh, and I will say this. I think you know about me as well as anyone, Jess, that I am not a huge fan fiction person. But if somebody writes the fan fiction for the supporting characters <laughs> of this movie, I think that might be enough to turn me. We'll see. I'm just saying. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm sure well. I'm hoping I will hear from many of you about all of the fanfic about the Lost City supporting cast. <laughs> yes. Uh, anything else we should say about that before we do another sponsor ad? Um, just if you have not yet seen it and you're still interested in watching it, it is available to stream. Um, I guess check your local library or whatever, or, you know, buy it on your preferred, uh, format. But there are ways to watch it now, which is exciting. Cause I did venture out to go see this in the theater and I dragged my husband along with me because it was like, I gotta see this. Um, but, 
lots of us can watch it without leaving home right now. And I plan to watch it for the 70,000th time when we're done. Hooray. I had it on earlier today. So (laughs) very fair. All right. Let's do another um, thanks to our sponsor. And then we will talk a little bit about books coming out for the rest of the year. Awesome. Awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right, just somehow we're in June. How? I don't know. It is shocking. A little uncomfortable, I think, for all of us. But here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fun part about being halfway through the year is because the weather is gross. Like, it's hot everywhere except here where it's raining all the time. Mm-hmm. So you can't even be like, cool, it's summer now. But there are fun books coming out in the second half of 2022. Yes, there are. Hooray. There are a lot of books coming out in the second half of 2022 that I'm not even really going to go into detail about. There's like Jasmine Guillory's new book with the awesome new cover. There's Ollie Hazelwood's Love on the Brain and Beverly Jenkins's To Catch a Raven, which come out on the same day and I am totally going to be sick that week. I mean, <laughs> as long as your boss doesn't listen to Win and Romance, you should be fine. Uh, she does. Hi, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> But sounds like she's on board then. <laughs> she would probably do it too. Um, but 
so there's just this is a good year and I am looking forward to a lot of books but I'm going to give myself a little bit of time to catch up on maybe one or two of my backlog and then it'll be time to get moving on some of these amazing books that are going to be coming out. Well, and I will say the first one that I'm going to talk about is probably one of those kind of high profile ones that you talked about, like one of the obvious ones. But I and I thought about not picking it because of that, but I'm just so excited about it that I could not help it. Uh, And that is Husband Material by Alexis Hall. It comes out on August 2nd. That's my brother's birthday. Maybe I'll buy him a copy. (laughs) It is. So it's the sequel to Boyfriend Material. As you were saying, uh, Jess, as much as on TV, romance authors often write about the same person or couple over and over again, that is actually not that common, as all of you know by now, mm-hmm. in the romance book world. But I guess the response to Boyfriend Material was such that Alexis Hall decided that he could not help but write about Luke and Oliver again. That was a sort of relationship of convenience, fake relationship kind of book. Uh, it's all, if I'm remembering correctly, in Luke's point of view. And I that was that book was like one of my highlights of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Boyfriend material was just so good. Alexis Hall is just such a funny writer who is also able to write such like sort of there's so much heart in what mm-hmm. he writes. Right, like there's so much you could actually feel Luke really trying to do his best and coming up short and knowing that he was coming up short and leaning into the coming up short and still. <laughs> wanting it and like just trying to figure it out and make it work. And uh, I am so excited to see what he does with Luke and Oliver in Husband Material. I, yeah, if you have not yet read Boyfriend Material, it probably is now available at, you know, there's probably like super long lines in, you know, 2020 at the library and whatnot, but I would recommend it. It was one of my favorites of the last few years and I cannot wait for Husband Material coming in August. Yeah, I listened to Boyfriend Material, and I gotta say, if the same voice actor does Husband Material, I am on board, because that was just the funniest audiobook that I listened to, and it's it still holds rank as probably one of the funniest and best-performed funny books that I've read. Like, I'm sure it's good in print, but just, like, the whole experience on audio was just so great. And I totally know what you mean about Alexis Hall and Heart. Like, I I mentioned I'm reading a lot of books right now. One of them, on my phone, I'm reading Something Fabulous, which is... Oh, yeah. His Regency romp. Like, there's... His other Regency book, is it Regency? Maybe it's not Regency, that that just came out. Something Fabulous came out a little while before that. And there's just, it's so fun, but you also feel so much. Um, yeah. So yeah. totally, I'm, I'm with you on that one. One book that I'm looking forward to, that it's kind of silly that I'm looking forward to it because I haven't actually read the first book in the series yet, is The Stand-Up Groomsman by Jackie Lau. And it is the follow-up book to Donut Fall in Love, which was one of my most anticipated books of last year, and I just haven't read it yet. There's a lot of books. There's so many books. And 
hopefully I'll read that one before this one comes out in October. But I am particularly um, interested in this one because f for all intents and purposes, it looks like the male protagonist is kind of based on the character uh, Kimchi in Kim's Convenience. Like, even if you look at the cover, he looks kind of like that actor. And oh. I just, I love him so much. And he's so sweet and funny and silly. He's kind of a himbo too, but he's too smart. Um, and, mm, fair. but the stand-up groomsman, you kind of have to read after you read Donut Fall in Love because it is about those characters wedding and the two characters are basically the the people who have to help everything happen for the wedding to go well um and they have to be around each other a lot and all of that stuff and it just looks delightful and i love jackie lau's writing in her um her self-published stuff and this is these two are her first books with Berkeley, I want to say. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. So it, I'm excited to, to see if the same voice carries across. But I like seeing the cover for the stand up groomsman was like, I gotta get back to, to Donut Fall in Love because there's a fat guy on the cover. And if you didn't see, who was it? I can't remember. There was recently an article about fat representation, particularly fat men on covers, and there might be something else coming out soon. I see a lot of things before they get published on the site, so that one might not even have gone up yet. But we've been having a lot of conversations about the almost double standard with more representation of fat women than fat men in romance in general and also on fat co on covers on fat covers <laughs> yeah i'm i think what you might be talking about is a post from annika baranti klein who is one of our book riot friends mm -hmm. it is called there's a she put up a post on at the end of may called finding unicorn romance novels with fat representation on the cover and i will link to that in our show notes awesome so yeah um, Donut Fall in Love. I'm still looking forward to that, but I'm very much looking forward to the stand-up groomsmen when I get around to it. Hooray! And speaking of our friends at Book Riot, the next book I'm going to talk about is one that the wonderful Silvana Reyes uh, brought to my attention. It is called The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy. It's by Megan Bannon. I know very little about this book, you know, other than like what is on Goodreads. I know Sil loved it and loves it and has talked about it many, many times on Twitter. It seems like a you've got mail, shop around the corner, you know, etc. sort of story set in a supernatural world of some kind, right? They're mm. in this kind of magical world. Hart is a marshal, which I can only assume is someone who is doing some kind of civic keeping things in order. I don't know. Uh, Mercy is an undertaker. And they are not friends. But Hart decides to send a letter out kind of into the world. Someone responds. What he doesn't know is that it's Mercy. It sounds like the stakes get very high and like the magical world in which they live starts to get dangerous. So they have to work together. Again, I don't know a ton about this. But I am delighted by the prospect of, you know, 
you got mail, but in a weird magical universe with an undertaker. And so I am very ready for it. So it is coming out August 23rd. Again, that's the undertaking of heart and mercy by Megan Bannon. Uh, And I have a feeling it will be one that we'll be talking about again on the show. We'll find out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And speaking of supernatural, um, another book that I'm very much looking forward to, which is also a second book in a series, but is a little bit less linked to the previous book, is A Ghost in Shining Armor by Therese Bahari. And I don't, <laughs> I think we've talked about it before, but I am a sucker for a ghost romance. Like, as long as there are ghosts involved in the relationship and we're not dealing with poltergeists, I am all for it. This one involves Gemma, who can see ghosts, and she ends up kissing a guy who turns out to be a ghost, who is kind of doing this whole, like, it's a wonderful lifestyle thing of helping her with her unfinished business instead of her helping him with his unfinished business, which is what she usually does with ghosts. So he's trying to help her out in part because if he doesn't successfully help her figure out a specific problem, then he's going to cease to exist. And so I'm really curious as to how this is all going to play out because I guess part of my love of ghost romances is I always want to know how they figure out the whole thing with one of them being a ghost. (laughs) I mean, sure. I think that's kind of the part we're always wondering about. (laughs) So It didn't go great for Patrick Swayze, but romance authors seem to make it work. Yes, yes, they do. Um, So yeah, Ghost in Shining Armor, it's coming out in September, um, and I'm very much looking forward to it. All right, the last one I'm going to talk about is a book that, again, I don't know a ton about the book, but we are very familiar with the author. Uh, That's Partners in Crime by Alicia Rye. This seems to be a little bit Obviously not quite the same as The Lost City, but it does feel a little bit like it might have the makings of an adventure romance. So it seems to be a case where Mira, who's the one of the main characters, is just sort of looking to find somebody who's just kind of stable, doesn't need to have a lot of sparks, whatever. She's in her mid-30s. She's ready to kind of settle down and find someone And so she goes to a matchmaking app and she goes on a date with Naveen, who is an English professor, you know, not a lot going on, pretty slow paced life. Great. But it sounds like somehow they end up on a trip to Las Vegas and then there are kidnappers and art thieves and hackers. (laughs) And I have a feeling that maybe Naveen is not quite the boring sort of English professor type that he is, whether he knows it or not, (laughs) that he is uh, sort of made out to be. Um, Again, I don't know a ton about this, but I do know that I have loved pretty much everything I've read by Alicia Rye. So I'm very excited about this one. And again, that's Partners in Crime. It is coming out October 18th. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if this is another one that we're talking about again in a few months. Uh, And one that I hope to be talking about again in a few months is... What is it? It's it's second book day. Um, But this one is the author's second book at all and has nothing to do with the previous book. So it's not quite a sequel or a follow up. That's okay. It still counts. It still counts. And it's Lizzie Blake's Best Mistake by Maisie Eddings. I was so hesitant to read Maisie Eddings' first book because it's about dentists. 
But some kind of way, I started listening to the audiobook and I was involved, invested. And I will basically kill and die for Maisie Eddings from here forth. Wow. That's an endorsement. It's like kind of a scary endorsement, but it's an endorsement. <laughs> I was just like, I got like, God, her writing, her story, her feelings. There were so many feelings. Um, if you are going to pick up her first book, I will tell you, if you have any level of anxiety, listening to the audiobook will increase your anxiety heavily. But um, because the main character has a lot of anxiety. Um, but Lizzie Blake's best mistake just looks like so many things that I am going to love. It's It involves a two-night stand, two people who have no time for feelings or relationships, and a surprise baby. Wow. All right. Right? Yeah. So... There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on here and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's all going to play out. The main character has ADHD and like emotions are neither of their best qualities. So it's like how how are they going to make this whole like we're we are growing a new person and we want to have this new person but we don't want to fall in love thing like of course. I am. Oh. So, yeah, that comes out in September, but I am looking at my copy right now. So maybe I will pick that up soon. <laughs> I think that sounds fine. I think you should, Jess. I think you're allowed. But n not until I finish The Beast. <laughs> well, yes. And possibly you made a fool of death with your beauty. That too. But after that, jump on in. And maybe also married to the Viscount. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> so See what happens. Books as always but we would love to know what you all are looking forward to for the rest of 2022 uh i have a feeling we'll probably be doing a favorites of 2022 so far pretty soon as well so if you have favorites from the year so far mm -hmm. that uh you would you know that you would shout out definitely let us know that anything else about the rest of the year that you think we should be uh flagging for people jess um not really we we love to hear from you and you can reach out to us with thoughts, questions, recommendations of any kind. We we greatly appreciate it all the time. We do. Let us know what you thought of The Lost City. Let me know how long I am or how wrong I am about red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> Whatever else you want to do. Um, you can always reach us at whenandromance at bookriot.com. I have been... Uh, is sort of away basically from social media the last few weeks. It's been a crazy month, but I'm going to get back in to Instagram at least. So you can find me there at Trisha Haley Brown. Jess, where can people find you? You can find me at various versions of Jess's reading. Twitter, Jess is reading all one word. Instagram, Jess underscore is underscore reading. And yes, you can hang out with me on the clock app. TikTok, uh, Jess underscore is reading. Perfect. Uh, huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. Uh, you can always rate and review the podcast, even if you just want to tell people how great Jen is at her job, because <laughs> things sound good. Mm-hmm. Even if, yeah, however good they sound, it is entirely due to Jen and um, her wonderful hard work. So again, get in touch, keep us posted, read The Beast, and we'll be talking about it in a couple of weeks. 
Absolutely. And in the meantime, happy reading. <laughs>